Praise the Lord. It's powerful. Powerful worship. Ain't God good? <laughs> and all the time. Amen. Um, you know, these songs that we sing, they're powerful because they find their foundation in the truth of God's Word. That's what makes them worth singing. They, we were just singing about how holy God is. Do you know that we've joined the angels in doing so this morning? The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 6 that the Lord gave Isaiah his prophet a vision of the throne room of God. And he said when he looked into the throne room, Isaiah saw angels flying around the throne of God. And they were continually, eternally singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now they're singing it because it's truth. And we're singing it because it's truth. Can you say amen? <laughs> There's power in the Word of God. And that's what makes these songs so very powerful. Ephesians chapter 6 is what I want to look at this morning. And we're going to be talking to fathers. <laughs> I guess you could have probably guessed that, it being Father's Day. Now, I remember years ago, I was at church one Sunday morning on Father's Day. And I was greeting people as they were coming in the door. And uh, this one dear brother walked up. I loved him, man. He was a character. He, was, he always had something going on. He loved to laugh. And he liked to make other people laugh. And I loved to be around him because of it. But he walked up to where I was, shook my hand. He said, Pastor, I almost put on my football helmet this morning. And I said, well, brother, what in the world do you need a football helmet for? He said, well, you come in here, and we come in here on Mother's Day, and you just talk about how mothers are just the best thing since sliced bread and how good and godly mamas are. And then we come in here as fathers, and you just beat up on us for an hour and a half. And he said, so I started to put on my football helmet. Now, let me tell you something, guys. You don't need a football helmet this morning. I'm not going to beat up on you. I'm not going to take the Word of God and use it as a whipping post and, uh, and, and beat anybody up. That's not my purpose. That's not my mission. I want to tell you this. That's never my mission. That's never my goal. What I want to do today is give and receive clear instruction and direction from the Word of God on how we all can be fathers that the Lord is pleased with and fathers our children need. So how about that? Are you in for that? So let's get a hold of the truth of the Word of God. Let's apply it to our lives. And I know when we do that, it will certainly make a difference in our lives and in our children's lives. So I want to give you some direction from the Word of God on this Father's Day. Now, Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4 is primarily what I'm going to be looking at this morning. Just this one verse. I'm going to be giving you some other scriptures that I know will be beneficial to you. And I want to ask you please to take your pen and paper, write those down. Go back and look at them later, because um, I know that it'll be a help to you, as it's been a help to me. But we're primarily going to stay right here in Ephesians chapter 6. And look what it says. Ephesians 6, verse number 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, watch this, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Again, thank you, Lord, for who you are and for what you've done. Thank you for the great blessing of being a father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've allowed all of us to come together this morning. And, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us clearly, straight from your word, Holy Spirit, exactly what we need to see. Lord, I need to hear from you today. We need to hear from you today. Lord, these people need not hear what I have to say. But, Lord, I'm praying that you bring enlightenment and revelation to your inspiration, your word that you have given us in your Bible. I'm praying, God, that 
you would speak clearly to us this morning, convict hearts, change lives, comfort those who need comforting, convict those who need convicting. And for all these things, we're going to praise you, for you alone are worthy. And again, thank you, Lord, for the great privilege of being a part of what you do. I can do nothing. I am nothing without you. But through you, Holy Spirit, I know all things are possible. Help us today, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you three things this morning on Father's Day. I want to talk to you about the power of a father. I want to talk to you about the priority of a godly father. And then we're going to last talk about the protocol of a godly father. So what does all of that mean for us on Father's Day? And I'm so thankful that it's Father's Day for me. I tell you, this is my favorite holiday other than Christmas. I enjoy Father's Day. Let me tell you why. Because it gets me time to spend time with my greatest blessings. And I'm going to tell you, my three greatest blessings in this world call me daddy. I'm jacked up about being a dad. I love being a father. There's nothing more special to me on this planet than being able to be the father of my three kids, Anna Kate, Gage, and Ellie Grace. I'm so thankful the Lord has given me the great privilege and honor of being their dad. But I realize with that great blessing comes great responsibility, the power of a godly father. That's the first thing that I want to talk to you about. Now, when I'm talking to you about the power of a father, you need to understand really what I'm saying is influence. Think influence when you think of power because how many of you know, dads, that's exactly what you have in the lives of your children. You have great, great influence. As a matter of fact, when the Apostle Paul here is talking about the parental relationship in Ephesians chapter 6, he addresses the father directly. Now let me ask you something. Does that mean that mamas are not important? Does that mean that mothers are less important than fathers? Absolutely not. That's not what it means at all. They are not less important. They're just different and made and created for a different purpose than the father is. Now let me tell you something though. What that does mean, it don't mean mamas are any less important, but what it does mean is that fathers are responsible. Say that with me, guys. Say responsible. See, with this great blessing of being a father comes great responsibility. Really what the Apostle Paul is going to tell us a little later on as he's writing and what we need to know according to the scriptures is that one day, fathers, we will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account for how we parented our children, of how we pointed our kids to him. Amen? I'm going to stand before the Lord. You're going to stand before the Lord. The responsibility is all mine when it comes to how I raise my children. We need to get a hold of that. we got to get under, understand that. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, that absolutely terrifies me. That scares me to death to think that one day I'm going to stand before the Lord and give an account for how I pointed my children to Him. <laughs> But that's exactly what's going to happen. The Bible teaches that over and over and over again. See, dads, the truth is the buck stops with us. We are responsible for pointing our kids to Jesus, for parenting our children and bringing them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Now, why are we responsible? We are responsible because God has given the man the headship in the family unit. If you go back to Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 23, you're going to see Jesus said that the husband should be the head of the wife, even as 
Christ is the head of the church. Does everybody see that? The husband has been given headship in the home. Now what that means is simply this. As Jesus is the head of the church, the husband is to be the head of the wife. So what I am called to do as a husband is come under the authority and lordship of Jesus so that my wife might come under my authority and our kids come under our authority. If you believe it this morning, say amen. Now, a lot of times what happens in the family unit, the reason we have so much trouble like we sometimes have, and it happens everywhere, is we get things out of alignment. If we just keep things aligned as God has created it, as God has commanded it, we would certainly see that God's blessing could be seen in our lives. There's no, no, no doubt about that. I've seen it with myself, man. When you do life God's way, you can and will experience God's blessing. Let me tell you that again. When you do life God's way, you can and will experience God's blessing. I'm not telling you you're going to be free of trouble. I'm not telling you you're going to be free of problems. We all have trouble. We all have problems in this fallen creation. But what I am telling you, you can experience God's blessing. You can experience God's favor when you choose to be faithful to God's word. So keep things in alignment, praise the Lord. And the Bible says the man is to be head in the household. Because you've been given headship, you've been given responsibility. I love Priscilla Shirer. He, she is the daughter of Dr. Tony Evans, and that sister is a gifted teacher. She really is of the Word of God. I heard her say something one time that I love. You know what she said? She said headship is actually the wife realizing she needs to duck so that God can hit her husband. I think that's pretty good. That's really what it is. You have responsibility. Again, the buck stops with us. We have influence. We have headship. And therefore, we have responsibility. Let me tell you something. Because of this great power you have in your children's lives, you can and will influence them. No doubt about it. You're going to be an influence. You're going to be a leader. I promise you, because your children are looking to you. The question is, where and how are you leading them? Are you leading them to Jesus? Or are you leading them away from Jesus? Because we're all leading. This, this depends on where and how we're leading our children. How we're leading and where we're leading our family. So that's something i got to ask myself. And that's something, men, you've got to ask yourself. How are you leading your family? Where are you leading your family? Are you leading them to Jesus or from Jesus? Because we will have either a positive or negative influence upon our children. There's no doubt about it. I've seen that to be true in my life. And I've seen it as a pastor over and over and over again because that's how God set it up. You know what I've come to find out? God-honoring fathers usually raise God-honoring children. Fathers who love Jesus, fathers who put Jesus first, usually raise children who love Jesus and put Jesus first. 
I've seen that over and over and over again. That's why it excites me, man. It fires me up when I see fathers putting that Bible under their arm on a Sunday morning and bringing their family, their children to church. I love to see fathers put that Bible under their arm on a Sunday night and bring their children, their family to church. I love to see fathers who make a stand, put that Bible under their arm and bring their children to church on a Wednesday night. I like to see daddies who are serious about leading their children to Jesus instead of away from Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you, it makes all the difference. I can promise you that. Now, you can be and will be a positive influence upon your children if you take the Word of God, apply it to your life, and live it out. But now listen, the same is true on the negative side. You can be a negative influence depending upon your choices. No doubt about it. We see it all the time, don't we? You know what I've come to find out? That a lot of times a father who has a problem with alcohol will raise children who have a problem with alcohol. You ever heard of a generational curse? You know, a lot of times I've come to find out that a man who's a womanizer will usually raise a son who's a womanizer. You know, I've come to find out that, listen, you can be a positive influence, but brothers, you can be a negative influence as well. And we've got to be very, very careful, and we must realize the great responsibility we have, the power and the influence of a father is a huge deal. If you believe it, say amen today. You need to see the power of a father. The the book of Exodus says it like this, Exodus 34 and 17, that the sins of the father will be visited upon the children. And the Bible says it can be visited even to the third and the fourth generation. Now really what that means is this, that folks, what we do as fathers not only affects us, but directly affects our children and even our children's children. So we've got to be so careful. We must keep our eyes on Jesus if we're going to lead our children in the right way. Can you say amen? we got to. And it's so important that we do so. We need to see the power of the Father. You have influence. But this morning, not only do I want you to see the power of a father, but also the priority of a godly father. Now this morning, I'm not saying this is your priority. It may or may not be, but I'm saying it should be your priority. This has got to be my priority. It's got to be your priority, especially if we're going to be Godly fathers are fathers that God is pleased with. And so listen what Paul says here in Ephesians chapter 6. Look down at verse number 4 again. He says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition. Everybody say admonition. Now, if we're talking, when we're talking about the power of a father, we're talking about the influence the father, the father has. When we're talking about uh, the priority of the father, I want you to think importance because that's really what we're talking about. What is the, the, the most important thing you can do, dads, for your children? What's the most important thing you should do 
for your children. we got to think about it that way. And whatever that is, that needs to be your first priority. Now, Paul says it like this. He says that we are to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Let me give you my favorite definition for that word admonition. That's what I want you to really focus on. What is admonition? It means to put them in mind of who God is, what God says, and what God has done or is doing. That's how we bring them up in the admonition of the Lord. We tell them who God is. We tell them what God says. We enlighten them as to what God has done. Now, why is this so important? Well, folks, if they don't know who God is, and they don't know what God says, and they're not enlightened as to what God has done and is doing, they can never come to a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the most important thing you can do for your children. Let us never lose sight of the main thing. We must keep the main thing the main thing. We can't get sidetracked on to good things and forget about the best thing. And the best thing for my kids and the best thing for your kids is that they know Christ personally as their Savior. That's why we bring them up in the admonition of the Lord. Telling them who God is, what God says, and what God has done. You say, well, but Brother Israel, I mean, I want my children to be successful. I want your children to be successful too. I hope and pray that your children and my children grow up to uh, own a Fortune 500 company. Wouldn't that be fantastic? I hope so. Maybe that's going to happen. I've already told my kids, when you grow up and get rich, I want a 1967 Super Sport Camaro. I'm trusting in that. I'm praying that through, praise the Lord. Putting faith behind those prayers. So there ain't nothing wrong with them growing up, being successful, and making a lot of money. I ain't against anybody making a lot of money. Ain't nothing wrong with having money. It's when the money have you. So I want them to grow up and be successful. That's my prayer for them. I'm praying for that daily. I'm praying for God's grace and I'm praying for God's favor upon their lives. And you ought to do the same thing. He said, Brother, I want my children to grow up and be a, a doctor or a lawyer and, 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 and have influence and, and make a difference in the world. Hey, praise the Lord. I hope that happens. I hope and pray that does happen for you. I hope and pray it happens for me if that's the path God has for them. We need some godly doctors. We need some godly lawyers. Can you say amen? No doubt. So there's nothing wrong with that. You say, brothers, well, I hope they grow up and be president of the United States of America. Praise God, if there's one thing we need today, it's a godly president. Would you say amen to that? No doubt about it. So I'm all for that. But let me tell you something. All of that is fantastic. All of that is fantastic. Some say, well, I want them to grow up and be a professional athlete. Praise God, I hope they do. Maybe that's what God has for them. Maybe he's gifted them with that ability, that talent, and that drive to go and make it happen. I think that's fantastic. I hope they do. But let me tell you this. If they do any of that or all of that, and they miss Jesus, then what's it matter? If they make all the money they can ever spend, all the money I can ever spend, and they miss Jesus, what's it matter?
If they grow up to be influential and be powerful and be president of the United States of America, the most powerful man on the, on the, on the, in the world, and then there's Jesus, what's it matter? If they grow up and throw 47 touchdowns for the New England Patriots, and then there's Jesus, what's it matter? Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? The priority of a godly father has to be to admonish them in the ways of the Lord. To tell them who God is, what God says, and what God has done and is doing. We've got to bring that revelation to our children. Amen? Let me give you some statistics that maybe will help you. Do you know, folks, that one in 200 million is the chance of your child or my child becoming president of the United States of America? See, between the ages of 35 and 70 is really what the, 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 uh, this is really done on. There's about 200 million adults between those ages in the United States right now. And so it's one in 200 million chance of my child or your child becoming president. That's, that's a pretty slim chance. Could it happen? Absolutely, if God's got it for them. But that's a pretty slim chance. And, uh, it's 0.28% of children will become an NBA player. So that's less than one half of 1% of all kids will play professionally in the National Basketball Association. 0.3% uh, of children will become a player in the NFL. So, again, less than one half of 1% of all kids is ever going to make it to the NFL. Same thing for baseball. 0.48% of children will become baseball players on the professional level. So, less than one half of 1% chance of your child or my child becoming a professional athlete. It's a 1.54% chance of your child or my child becoming a hockey player. I'd say it's less than that around here, wouldn't you agree? That's probably not going to happen, I wouldn't think, right here in, in northwest Alabama. We're not much of a, of a hockey state. So what I'm saying is, is there a chance of my child becoming a professional athlete or being president of the United States? Sure, there's a chance if that's what God's got for them, but let me tell you this. It's a very, very, very slim chance. Let me tell you this, though. Everybody take your Bibles and look to Hebrews chapter 9. Look down with me at verse number 27. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. The writer here says this, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. The last time I checked, the mortality rate of human beings is 100%. One out of one people are going to die. Can you say it again? The Bible says death is an appointment that I'm going to keep. And death is an appointment that you're going to keep. Now the only problem with that appointment is I don't know when it's coming. I mean, if I've got a dentist appointment next Thursday at 9 o'clock, I know where to be next Thursday at 9 o'clock. But the Bible says death is an appointment, but we, none of us know when we're going to die. 
We don't know when that appointment is going to take place. We don't know when this breath is going to be our last breath. All of us are one heartbeat away from eternity according to what the Bible is telling us. And so, folks, it's a very slim chance that your child is ever going to make it to the NBA, the NHL, the NFL, or the National Baseball League. It's a very slim chance. That, but let me tell you, it's a 100% chance that your child is one day going to stand before Jesus. Now, ain't nothing wrong with doing all that other stuff. But I'll tell you this, if they miss Jesus, what does it matter? Are you getting me? You say, brother, you'll get sports. Absolutely not. I think sports are fantastic. But don't trade the good things for the best things. Brother, is there anything wrong with, 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 with encouraging them to grow up and be successful? Absolutely not. We want them to. But don't trade the good things for the best things. Prioritize. Figure out what's most important for you, Father, and figure out what's most important for them and lead them in that direction. And let me tell you something, Dads. What's important to you is going to become important to them. And it's not always going to be easy to make a stand. I can promise you that. I've seen that so many times in parenting. It's hard to do the right thing. But the right thing must be done. And when it comes time to make God the top priority in your home, we need to make Him the top priority in our home. And that should direct our decisions. Are you getting me? The power of a father, think influence. The priority of a godly father, think importance. But I also want you to see the protocol of a godly father. And I want you to think impact. Impact. How can I impact my children for the cause of Christ? I think it was Vance Habner who once said, if I win the world for Jesus and lose my children, I have failed in the work of the Lord. Well, folks, I don't want to mess this up, this dad thing. Amen. I've messed up a lot. I've messed up a lot in being a dad. But I don't want to mess it up in impacting my kids for the kingdom of God. I don't want to do it. So how are we going to do it? Well, the Bible tells us. He tells us what we should do and tells us what we shouldn't do. First of all, he says to nurture them. You see that? Bring them up in the nurture. That word nurture, I want you to think about two words when describing how to nurture your children. First of all, it's instruction, and secondly, it's training. Instruction. What does it mean that I instruct them? It means that I give them the truth of what God has said. And you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture instruction and training as to the things of God. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter number 11 and verse number 19. Brother, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. Deuteronomy 11 and 19. Listen to this command God gives the nation of Israel all the way back in the Old Testament. Look how he puts it. And you shall teach them, meaning your children, 
uh, speaking of them when thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And so what God is telling his people, he says, wherever you are at all times, take the opportunity to talk to your kids about my truth, about who I am, what I've said, what I have done, and what I am doing. That's what he's saying for us to do. Are you getting me? So it shouldn't just be done at church. Yeah, we want to do it at church. I'm thankful we get the opportunity to do it at church, to give our children here, all of them, the truth of the Word of God. What a blessing that is. But now listen, it must happen at home as well. it got to start at home. That's why he says, wherever you are, if you're sitting in your house, or you're walking down the road, or you're lying down, or when you get up, look for every opportunity you can. To teach your children about who I am. I experienced this just last night. And you'll be amazed at how God opens these doors. I continually pray for that. And dads, I want you to do the same thing. I want you to start praying that God opens doors for you to give truth of the word of God to your children. And if you start praying for that and looking for those opportunities, I can promise you this. God will start opening doors for that to happen. Just last night, me and my son was riding out to town, and I had the opportunity of sharing with him about some, uh, some uh, theological discussion on the Word of God. Well, we believe what we believe according to the current climate in which we live. He was telling me just the other day that he went in to try and uh, get into a, a gaming site. And as he tried to apply to be a part of that gaming site, he was asked several questions about what he believed. One of the questions that he was asked is if he supported the LGBTQ agenda. Folks, he's, he's getting into a gaming site to play computer games. He gives, sends his application and they send it back and say he's not eligible to be a part of their group because he's homophobic. Folks, we're, we're talking about playing Minecraft on the computer. What in the world does that have to do with the sexual orientation of anybody? Do you see how this world that we live in is against God and against His truth. So he was talking to me about that last night and we were discussing some of that and that opened up all kinds of doors for us to get in the Word of God and see what God says exactly about that subject. Look for those opportunities because folks, if we don't tell them, who's going to? School's not going to tell them. I promise you, public schools is not going to tell them. We are on a slippery slope there that scares me to death. When you look at actually what's going on. Hey, they ain't going to learn it from TV, are they? Are they going to learn a lot of truth from TV? I heard just last week how that Nickelodeon has just came out with several new shows teaching children how it's okay to have two mommies or two daddies. Folks, we're not talking about adult programming. We're talking about programming for children. Things that we th used to think were safe, like cartoons, are no longer safe. You better be watching what cartoons your children are interested in. 
That's the world we live in. If we don't tell them who's going to. They ain't going to get it from TV. They ain't going to get it from school. They ain't going to get it from their friends. They're going to get it from you, parents, because that's how God set it up. That's why we take advantage of every opportunity we've got, whether we're sitting by the wayside or we're sitting in our, or walking on the wayside or we're, we're, we're sitting in our home or we're lying down or we're getting up, just like Deuteronomy 11, 19 says, take advantage of the opportunity and give them the truth. Amen? You say, I just don't know if I have all the answers. Join the crowd. I don't have all the answers either. You don't have to have all the answers to be helpful. If you don't have the answer, just say, I'll get back with you. There ain't no shame in that. I've had to do it myself. They ask me something, I say, well, listen, man, I, I kind of think this is the way it is, but let me tell you what, let's, let me study it up, let me, let me get back with you on that. I don't want to give them something that's wrong, I don't want to give them much right, so don't be prideful, just say, okay, I'll get back with you on it, and then get back with them. Amen? D don't, don't be afraid of not having all the answers. None of us do. None of us do. But we must, we must make it a priority to teach our children what thus says the Lord. To instruct them as to the Word of God. Man, if, they're gonna, if we're going to impact them so that they can impact the world, that's how it works. We instruct them with truth. We instruct them with truth at home, and let me tell you something else. We instruct them with truth at church. Do y'all believe we preach the truth around here? I want you to say amen if you believe we preach the truth. If you, if you don't believe we preach the truth, say amen. So we're in agreement. You, you think we preach the truth in Sunday school? You've been in Sunday school, most of you. If you haven't, I'll invite you, man. It's, it's a fantastic ministry to help you grow in your faith. Do you believe we preach the truth in small group studies? Sunday evenings? How about Wednesday night with our Bible study? We just go verse by verse straight through a chapter or straight through a book of the Word of God. You think we're preaching truth then? So, so let me ask you something. Where would be a great place for your children to get plugged into the truth of the Word of God, what would that be? Probably in church, wouldn't it? So if we're going to instruct them, if we're going to instruct ourselves, where do we need to be on Sunday morning? Where do we need to be on Sunday night? Where do you think we need to be on Wednesday night? Why do we do this? Because we're being instructed from the Word of God according to what was going on in the world right now. Don't miss out on it. Don't miss out on it. Keep your kids plugged into a Bible-preaching, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. Folks, if we don't, it's going to be really hard to instruct them in the ways of God. Amen? Let's get plugged into the church. Let's get involved in the church. Let's make that a priority in your life. You say, oh, Brother Israel, watch it on the, on the Internet. Let me tell you something. That was meant to be a help for people who can't come. That was never being, meant to be an excuse for you not to come. That's not what that's for. I want to encourage you, come and do what God's Word says, Hebrews 10, 29, to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some do. Put that on the screen, brother. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 25. Watch what this says. There's a reason we do this. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another. What does it mean to exhort? To encourage and to lift up. And, and so much more as you see the day approaching. How many of you believe Jesus is coming back? 
I believe we're on the threshold of the day that he's speaking of here, the coming of Christ. I believe that with everything in me. As we see the day approaching, Satan is on the rampage. Do you think that's true? How much more do we need to be exhorting one another, encouraging one another, edifying one another? Listen, growing stronger as the body of Christ so that we can impact the world for Jesus. You know what Paul, you know what the Bible's saying there? He said we do that in church. So don't forsake the assembly. Come together. Get involved. Get plugged in. Get your kids plugged in. So very, very important. We instruct them to nurture them, but we also train them. To instruct them is to give them the Word of God. To train them is to live out the Word of God in front of them. I had a pastor tell me something years ago, man, when I was just a young father. He said, I want you to know that most of what your children get from you, it's not taught, it's caught. Man, is that ever true? Is that ever true? They pick up on everything. They're always watching. They're always following me and their mama. And I'll be honest, sometimes that scares me to death. If we're going to impact our children so that they might impact the world and really make a difference, we've got to instruct them. We've got to train them. We've got to teach them the Word of God with our lips and live out the Word of God with our lives. I remember years ago, until I was about 11 years old, my father was not a Christian. He certainly did not live at the foot of the cross. My mama was saved when she was 16 years old. And so for all of my life, my mama was a faithful servant of Christ, follower of Jesus. I was took to church every time the doors were open. I've probably told you before I had a drug problem when I was a kid. I drug to church on Sunday morning. I drug to church on Sunday night. I drug to church on Wednesday night. I drug to church for the WMU meetings. I've been to a lot of WMU meetings, but I tell you, it never hurt me none. I can remember my mama taking me and my brothers to church on Sunday, and before we would leave, before my daddy met Christ, before we would leave, my dad would say, if you leave today, if you take them to church, I'll not be here when you get back. And so, mom would go ahead and take us, and we'd come home, and sure enough, he wouldn't be there. He may not be there for the next two or three days. Wouldn't know where he was at. And I can remember several times, my mama calling me and my brothers together in her bedroom. We'd huddle around her bed, and she'd say, boys, get on your knees. We're fixing to ask Jesus to save your daddy. And we prayed right there in Mama's bedroom. We'd go to those WMU meetings. And we'd get there and I'd see those ladies get on their face and shed tears on behalf of my father so that he might come to Jesus and be saved. And I want to tell you something. i got some good news for you. God answered that prayer. When I was about 11 and a half years old on a Sunday night, my dad trusted in Jesus as his personal Savior. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. Everything changed. 
my household changed. How my dad spoke to me and how my dad spoke to my mama changed. I seen it. It was like daylight and dark. I'm going to tell you, we went from fussing and arguing around the dinner table to prayer around the dinner table. We went from, my dad went from um, living a life to please the flesh to faithfully walking in the spirit. I saw that, man, I'm telling you, I'd come home from school and walk in and my dad would be in his bedroom. He'd have some Charles Johnson revivers blaring on the radio. He'd be in there studying the word of God. Tears would just be streaming down his face. Just getting blessed right there at home, having church at home. And I thought, my goodness, what's happened to my daddy? Everything changed. You know what? I said right then and there, this is real. And because this is real, I want it. I want it. I'm not saying my dad was perfect. He wouldn't. You know what? I'm not perfect either. I got some news for you dads. You ain't perfect either. There are no perfect fathers. Mine wasn't perfect. But I saw a hunger in that man for the things of God. I knew it was real to him. I knew it. And I wanted it. Just what he had. Now I'm going to tell you something. That changed the direction of our family. I shudder to think at where I would be now if not for Jesus answering those prayers and saving my daddy at 11 years old. That changed everything. I'm going to tell you something. You will influence your children. You will. You will lead them. You will. You either lead them to Jesus or lead them from Jesus. And the most important thing they can ever do is trust in Him. Let's remember that, dads. When I preach a message like this, a lot of times it brings comfort and sometimes it brings conviction and sometimes people say, well, Brother Rob just blown it. Guess what? We've all blown it. All of us have. I have. I do on a regular basis. Believe me. All of us have. But I want to tell you some good news. The grace of God is available for you today. The first step, the first step, and you being a dad that God is pleased with and your children need is that you trust in Jesus as your personal Savior. If you've not yet done that, today needs to be the day of salvation. That's the first step for you to know Him. To know Him is to love Him. To love Him is to serve Him. Listen, to experience Him is to experience His power. And it takes His power to be the dad God calls us to be and our kids need us to be. So I'm telling you, the first step is to trust in Jesus. If you have trusted in Jesus, are you living for Him daily? Are you trusting Him as Lord daily? If not, let me tell you something. The same grace that once saved you, child of God, is the same grace that keeps you. And the Bible says if you'll confess your sins, He'll forgive you. I do it daily. I've got to. So what do you need to do today? Do you need to be born again? If you are a Christian, have you backslid? Have you gotten away from the Lord? Do you need to come back to Him and confess some things? Get right with the Lord so that you might be the dad God's called you to be. Your kids need you to be. Now that's not just true for daddies here. That's true for all of us. But it is Father's Day. What is the Holy Spirit 
speaking to your heart right now. Maybe you'll come pray for a lost loved one. Maybe you'll come join this church. Maybe this is the place you know God's put you. You want to serve right here. Whatever the case is, these altars are open. Everybody stand together, please. You do what God wants you to do.